0: Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. Thank you for joining us for this sermon. You can find all of our sermons at holycommunion.net and our Facebook, YouTube, and podcast channels. Consider hitting like or subscribe. Consider sharing this sermon with others. It helps us to reach more people like you. We are so thankful to those who support our ministry. You can give today at holycommunion.net backslash give. a priest walks into a bookstore. A couple of weeks ago on our vacation, my husband Thomas was browsing in a used bookstore. He's a priest. There in the self-help section, he found a copy of Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Now, before he was retired, Thomas was a kind of time management geek. So this was one of his go-to books to help keep him on track and in touch with organizing his time around his personally defined main thing. This book is old, goes so far back. I think it's kind of just permeated. It's in the ether of our culture. But there are three habits that he reminded me of. And I still, now I can recall him sharing about them. Number one, habit number one be proactive. Habit number two, begin with the end in mind. Habit number three, put first things first. Thomas shares that he never got to the third habit because he felt the second one was so important. Begin with the end in mind. A Messiah walks into a synagogue. Jesus enters the synagogue in Nazareth, following 40 days in the desert. And we know that those 40 days for Jesus was about beginning with the right end in mind. It was about keeping to the main thing. And so he opens the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He searches He sifts through all those words, all those stories, all those images, all those rabbit holes you can go down to find just the right one to describe what he's about. Just the right words to explain his manifesto, his main thing. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me He sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners, and recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. These aren't Jesus' original words. These words were spoken by Isaiah 700 years before. These words go even farther back to the liberation of the children of Israel from slavery in Egypt. These words describe the eternal work of God. And now, Jesus proclaims that God's power is active and fulfilled now in him. And truth be told, this liberating power is always coming true. In reading this scripture today, together, the power and promise of God is at work. Are not our hearts, the listeners' hearts, just like in Nehemiah, moved and strengthened to be reminded that this is really what God is like? Liberating, saving, healing, In the hearing of the word, there is hope and energy and strength. That's why we're here. But there's more. This manifesto is not just about what Jesus is going to do. This manifesto is also a promise that God's spirit, who has been active since creation, will continue to move and liberate and set free and heal. Not just through Jesus, but through those who follow Jesus, to all who dare to believe that God's Spirit is inviting them to come along and will give them the wisdom and the power to bring God's presence to places that are broken. If we're wondering what our call is as Spirit-led and filled people, then here it is that if we're wondering where to begin we begin with the end in mind with the words spoken by isaiah and claimed by jesus to bring good news to proclaim release to bring recovery and to liberate now i can't tell you exactly how you should do that Jesus was not Isaiah, and you are not Jesus. But we all begin with the same end in mind. Perhaps better for me to invite you to dare to believe that this eternal call from God is working in you too, that you have a part in God's main thing. A poem I discovered this week led me to wonder what it might mean for me to be doing God's work, for me to believe the Spirit is active in my life. I like the title of it. It's called Questions to Consider When Waking. It's by Bernadette Miller. What would you do if you really knew that life was wanting to sing through you? What would you say if your words could convey prayers that the world was waiting to pray? What would you be if your being could free some piece of the world's unwhispered beauty? What would you stop to bless and caress if you believe that blessing could address our painful illusions of brokenness? What would you harvest from heartache and pain if you understood loss as a way to regain the never forsaken terrain of belonging? What would you love if your love could ignite a sea full of stars on the darkest night? What would you do this might seem overwhelming. When Thomas told me the story about the seven habits, and though he only got to number two, I think number three is helpful. Put first things first. The Spirit of God is upon you. How is your neighbor holding up? The Spirit of God is upon you. What is your local school in need of? What is your neighborhood desiring? The spirit of God is upon you. What personal relationship needs to be repaired? The spirit of God is in you and upon you, dot, dot, dot. What one thing? would you do knowing that the Spirit of God is upon you? What one healing, liberating, enlightening thing can you do knowing that you are part, that your wholeness, that your being, your purpose is this eternal work of God in this world?